Welcome to our Thought Leadership Interview Series. I'm Brandon Cooper, the Chief Risk Officer here at Benminder. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Mike Morris, a systems partner at Porter Keto Moore. Mike is a graduate of the University of Florida with a Bachelor of Arts in Economics and a minor in Business Administration. He also has a Master's of Business Administration with a major in Computer Information Systems from Georgia State University. Since joining TKM in 1999, he's overseen projects including Sarbanes-Oxley IT 404 testing, FDIC Improvement Act testing, network vulnerability and penetration testing, stock reporting, and IT general controls for data processing companies, financial institutions, and insurance companies. So, welcome, Mike. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks. I'm glad I could participate. We're happy to have you along as well, because uh, having had the opportunity to work with you on the Vendor Management Boot Camp, I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. So from your perspective, just to overall kind of set the stage for our conversation, how do you think financial institutions are doing with third-party risk management? Yeah, overall, I think I'd give them a C plus. Uh, we have, you know, some of the some of our clients that are out there that are, uh, you know, in the A plus range and doing a really good job, and they, they've put a lot of resources towards uh, third-party risk management. But I think on average, there's still a lot of gaps out there uh, within our client base. Uh, that is having issues with really getting their arms around all the things they need to be doing. So there's definitely room for improvement. Uh, I, I see it moving in the right direction. It's just, uh, you know, the, the amount of vendors that they have to look at and you know, really assessing the risk has been challenging for most of our organizations and really having the time to, to dedicate to it. Yeah, I'll tell you, time management is probably the number one concern we hear consistently from our clients. I mean, obviously, it's one of the things we can help out with, but at the same time, you know, it's really difficult, particularly if this lands in a small institution on the, you know, the, the um, desk of the compliance officer who's struggling with all the other consumer protection regulations. It's understandable that third-party risk kind of uh, gets shoved to the side at times. So I, I totally agree. I mean, it's been a huge, um, you know, struggle in a lot of cases. Besides following, you know, the regulatory guidance really closely, what other best practices are you seeing out there in, in managing risk? Well, I think it's the institutions that are really looking at vendor management from a business risk standpoint and thinking about, hey, you know, I'm, I'm trusting these people to do something for me. And depending on the criticality of what that is, I really need to watch what they're doing. Uh, my my uh, viewpoint has always been if you really have a good risk management program, especially with third-party risk management, and you really look at the business risks, the regulators are going to see that and, and be happy with that. And, and, of course, we have the regulatory guidance we need to follow, which is a good framework for us. But, uh, you know, really just making sure that we, we think of those business risks and really what is that impact of, of each vendor to our organization and what do we need to do to kind of trust but verify that they're doing what they say they're doing. Yep, absolutely. It's funny because, I mean, uh, on top of the regulatory guidance, there's also just oodles and oodles of best practices out there that I, I really think that, Regulators come in and during the course of an examination are kind of looking to see, are you just managing to the guidance or are you really looking for ways to continue to evolve and, and improve your program? So I, I do think that's a terrific perspective. You know, one topic that's been getting a lot of attention recently is cybersecurity. How, how concerned do you think the average institution should be with cybersecurity right now? Uh, I think it's an ever-growing threat. And uh, I, I like the uh, saying that I heard at a security conference one time that, and we try to build a 30-foot wall, and the, the hackers are building a 31-foot ladder. You know, we need to be focusing on continuously improving that area. And, you know, a big gap, again, is our vendors potentially. Uh, you know, you, you hear time and time again of companies being hacked through their vendors, 
and it's rare you actually hear the vendor's name being brought up or it usually gets kind of on, on a side note. You know, it really gets back on the focus of the, the company that is outsourcing those activities. So looking at cyber resilience and cybersecurity at our, at our third parties is critical because there could be a huge gap uh, in our controls based on uh, a vendor's activities. And we just need to make sure, again, trust but verify, understand what they're doing. And that's one area I don't think our, our clients are doing as good of a job they, they struggle with. Make sure they understand what they need to get from a cybersecurity standpoint and really how to evaluate that and wrap it up into their own overall cybersecurity programs. Yeah, it's interesting you raised the point about uh, sort of the third party's name not getting the attention. I mean, just think back to the target breach, probably the most famous mm -hmm. one that really started all of this. And that was actually facilitated by uh, an HVAC contractor's credentials getting compromised. Nobody remembers the HVAC contractor. I don't even remember. Everybody just, you know, goes back to the main target. So, yeah, it is really right. the responsibility of the, of the institution to make sure that they've addressed any potential vulnerabilities. The Unibank, or I'm sorry, Unicredit uh, hack over in Italy, the big bank in Italy, they got hacked. I still haven't seen the vendor that, that uh, was hacked to allow the hackers to, you know, get into, uh, I think I'm saying it right, Unicredit's uh, uh, systems. So, again, yeah, you don't see that third party getting named as much. It's, you know, the name and lights is the one that the customers trusted to, uh, to do the activities regardless of whether you outsource or not. So you're, you're still responsible. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, along sort of a similar line, um, what are some of the top areas of concern in a SOC report, uh, a SOC audit report that you feel institutions should always be paying close attention to? Yeah, usually our biggest concerns uh, when we're looking at the SOC reports as, as part of our financial statement practice at, at PKM is when there's application change management issues, um, you know, we're expecting controls to work the way they, they, they're supposed to. Uh, so if a, a core application is supposed to be calculating interest a certain way, uh, those are inherent controls that we're trusting the vendor to, to have controls over and make sure are working appropriately. And uh, if there's a, a change management process around application changes uh, that could impact those, the way that system calculates interest or, or does any of the number of things that it does for us, you know, it's, it's important that we make sure we, we address that and say, hey, this is pretty significant. This could be impacting you know, all the reports we're, we're reviewing. Uh, so we really need to dig into those areas. Uh, when you're reviewing those reports, the other thing that, that's starting to get more convoluted is the number of, of uh, these big organizations having multiple services included in one SOC report. You know, having a finding in there and making sure how does this really impact me and is it even, does it even impact the services I'm using can, can be a little confusing. So being careful and reading through those and really looking at the impact on uh, what those findings could mean to you. And also, I think we've talked about this before, and I know you guys push this as well, but also understanding what the subservice organizations are. You know, who are your vendors' vendors? And during our boot camp, we've talked about how you identify who those are in the SOC report, and it's filled out pretty, close, pretty well in the opinion, uh, the auditor's opinion. But making sure that uh, we understand where our risk extends to and what we can do to help mitigate that risk or at least get some understanding of what, what that risk is and what those subservice organizations are doing to, to mitigate that risk. And more vendors themselves are getting better vendor management programs. They still don't always have the pressure we have or, or financial institutions have to, to, uh, to uh, do those vendor management activities. So it's important to understand who those, those subservice organizations are. And especially in, and we talked in the boot camp about making sure that before we sign on the dotted line, we understand what we can get uh, before we sign a contract. 
is trying to make sure we can figure out how we can monitor those subservice organizations or get some comfort around that. Absolutely. I mean, one of the advantages of the new SSA 18 report, actually not so new anymore since it came out in May of 2017, is the requirement to disclose those significant subservice organizations. That that helps, but it's also it does you know, uh, again. It you know it it does it, it helps, but it, it also reminds you that there is that increased pressure and increased you know requirement to be overseeing that fourth party uh, just as diligently in a lot of ways as you do your third party, which you know just introduces a whole another layer of complexity. So yes, overall. Does. When you're talking to your uh, various institutions, do you feel like risk management is getting enough attention from senior management and the board? You know, what steps can they be doing to better demonstrate their level of involvement? Yeah, we're still seeing a disconnect at the, the senior management and board level. And some of that has to do with them not quite understanding how much really goes into a, a vendor management program and how much work is involved with that. Uh, with that, you know, with that disconnect, you know, we also see the re the reporting weakness going back up to the board and senior management from the individuals tasked with with performing the, the vendor management pro uh, program. Uh, you know, making sure that it's clear that hey, here's what we we've, we've done for the year. Here's how we identified our critical vendors. Here's you know any issues we've identified, and oh, here's a couple I issues that we need to bring to your attention that we need to be monitoring. And maybe the financial conditions deteriorating, or there's a significant some significant issues in a SOC report. But just making sure there's really good communication. But you know, I think again, the the biggest I think uh, uh, roadblock there or disconnect is really understanding how much time and effort uh, is needed and making sure that people have the right time. Because unfortunately, one of the struggles we see as well is that the individual tasked with vendor management that's, is, is tasked as a secondary duty, and they have their day-to-day -day functions to get done as well. And so we don't always get enough effort and and time put into the actual vendor management process that needs to be there. And as you guys know, getting all those documents in place, getting them reviewed, getting them uploaded, making sure you have a good comprehensive view of each critical vendor that you, you've de is deemed as, as somebody who needs to be looked at is very time consuming. And I just think that, again, that disconnect is there at the board and senior level, uh, senior management level, understanding how much of the time is needed to do that successfully. You're exactly right. And it's interesting. I mean, the OCC guidance in particular, 2017-7, really hammered into place the responsibility for third-party risk management really trickling all the way up to the board. And and I think boards need to understand they need to be actively involved in, in setting direction, giving you know, good guidance at times, and, you know, reacting to risks that are, that are escalating or changing, particularly when it comes to uh, the critical third parties. And I think it is very important to create not only a static set of reports that kind of highlight all the activities, but also, you know, what's changed? What, what do we need the board to know about what's going on in third-party risk management? And then make sure that's reflected in the, in the minutes of the meeting as well. I mean, I really did, when I was working in banking, count on my senior management team and board to, you know, have my back or help set that tone from the top so that I knew when I walked out of a, out of a meeting that they were going to support whatever I needed to have them do to you know, help uh, reinforce the importance of third-party risk management. So I do, I do think there's a bit of a disconnect at times, and it's a dangerous one because, again, with the OCC guidance being so stringent on this point, you know, I really do think you're putting yourself at, at real risk of, of being criticized for being asleep at the wheel if, uh, should a problem occur. I do think that having some uh, more focused vendor management training at the board and senior management level would be helpful so they can really understand the time and effort that's required there. So I think that would help break this disconnect to some degree. That's an excellent point, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. <laughs> uh, so thank you for making that.
you know, one, one final question. Uh, do you see any relief coming in the short term, not just in terms of general regulatory guidance, but any of the proposed regulatory reform? Do you think it's going to trickle down to offer uh, a break to the weary compliance officers as it, as it pertains to risk management? You know, we all hope it's going to happen, and we all hope that we can get some of this regulatory burden off of us. Uh, and it would be nice because the third-party risk is not going away, and, and even if there's not regulation over it, as we, as we spoke before, you know, it has such an impact on our businesses. But, yeah, maybe we could re you know, push some of those resources towards vendor management that were going elsewhere. Uh, you know, we keep hearing it, but I haven't seen enough actually done to get comfortable that it's going to happen. Uh, but I definitely think there needs to be you know, some some relief there. And again, maybe that we could use that energy to uh, focus more on things like third-party risk uh, in cybersecurity that we, we need to continue to look at because, again, with regulation or not, those those areas are going to continue to have uh, cause, cause risk or pose risk to organizations, and we need to make sure we're addressing those. You're absolutely right. And it, it's interesting because, you know, one of the things I also am concerned with, even in the era of regulatory reform, is with the regulations change. <clears throat> As regulations change, it you know requires the same amount of energy and consideration as to what are the rules of the game that I need to be operating in today and what business practices do I need to make sure are changing. Even if it's true regulatory relief, it still drives change and that introduces you know a whole other area of complexity as well for a compliance manager having to you know understand what the rules are today and what they're going to look like you know six months or a year from now really does uh, create quite the challenge. Well, Mike, I really do appreciate the time today, and I really do appreciate you joining in the session. I, I, I found it to be very valuable, and you've raised some really, really good points. Um, and to everybody else, thanks for tuning in, and please be on the lookout for some future interviews in the series. Thanks, everybody.